Hello, everyone. This is Cassie Burns, co-founder of All Your Data. I'm an attorney who's been using AI and machine learning for 10 years. I love data and love talking to people about data, and that's what this podcast is about. Each episode of Cassie and will feature a new guest. Each guest comes from a different background with a different approach and attitude towards technology. We'll talk about their experiences and hopefully we'll learn a thing or two. Thanks for joining. Let's get started with Cassie and Raina Casbon-Kelt. Raina, thank you so much for joining us here today. We really appreciate it. Raina, tell everybody how we know each other and then tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I have an absolutely fabulous business coach. Her name is Daya Naif. And apparently she saw that you were starting a new podcast and she commented and tagged me on LinkedIn. And that's how I became acquainted. LinkedIn is a great little hub for this, for crypto, Web3, all that stuff. A lot of people really reaching out and connecting with each other. I think it's great. Absolutely. LinkedIn is a great, I mean, I've been using LinkedIn for years and I've used it through multiple different industries and all of that and have found success everywhere with it. I've been on LinkedIn for a long time too. Do you feel that LinkedIn has really had had an evolution over time? I felt like when I first started, people were mainly posting interesting articles, which I really loved as just a, a great feed of interesting articles about e-discovery. Like for me, it was a great aggregator. And then it got very just sales focused. But I feel like in the past two years, it's gotten a lot more towards true like thought leadership yes. and engagement. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. I'm in the crypto space. I've been in the crypto space for a long time. And the evolution of it as it became more challenging to post long form content in other places, LinkedIn really excelled there or accelerated, I should say, to to a new level with for creators. Because you could you can post long form content, you can bring on as many, like up to thirty thousand connections. It's it, yes. Agree, hundred percent. It's wonderful. It's a wonderful yeah. tool, and anyone who isn't using it, learn how to use it, and it will it will do you right. Yeah, I've just made some really good connections, really good friends, and for the most part, I think people are really genuine and authentic. Reina, you said that you're into crypto, so tell us a little bit about what you do in crypto. So where do I start? I was introduced to crypto. I love my origin story. It's kind of cute and fun. So I'll go ahead and start with that. I was in a bar singing karaoke with my girlfriends. <laughs> I love it. And uh, I met a guy there. We exchanged numbers and such. And he asked me out. And our first date was somewhere around uh, Valentine's Day in 2016. And so I, I kept asking him, like, so what do you do? He's like, oh, well, you know, I'm a waiter. And I'm like, I know that already. What, what, what are you into? And he kept just, oh, this and that and the other. And really him and hawing about the whole thing. So for me, I'm like, I got to pull it out of you, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I continued to ask. And he said, well, I'm into Bitcoin. And what? And he started. Look, so he told me all of uh, all about it. I'm like, there's no new money. You're crazy. There's no new money. He's like, look, I'll show you. I'll show you. Um, and so I what, downloaded a. Was that the wallet. first time? Sorry to cut you off. Was that the first time you'd heard of crypto, or you heard it of it before? I had never heard the the word Bitcoin until that day. And um, so I downloaded a wallet. I actually wrote the seed phrase on the back of a bar receipt. <laughs> 
<laughs> and he sent me five dollars in Bitcoin, triple play in Metairie. Oh, okay. <laughs> and um, I wrote the seed phrase on the back of the of the receipt, and and we've been together ever since. He gave me about whatever it was five dollars of Bitcoin. That's now about eight hundred nine hundred bucks. Fast forward to today, and yes, I still have the Bitcoin and the guy. <laughs> well, I have one really important question. What song were you singing at the karaoke bar? <laughs> so I'm a Gen Xer and so is he. I was singing Mr. Roboto. <laughs> I, that is so perfect. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I know. And he was looking at me like I was crazy. And I'm like, don't, don't look at me like that. I know you know all the words to this song. He's like, actually, Six is my favorite band. <laughs> I love it. I'm a Gen Xer too. Where we have we have Gen Xer in common. You live in in the New Orleans suburbs. I lived in the New Orleans suburbs when I went to law school, so I lived very close to Metairie. My go-to song with some of my close girlfriends is "Heaven Is a Place on Earth" by Melinda Carlisle, and also a Roxette song. I'm more of a Radiohead fan, but that's not a really good for karaoke. But anyway, <laughs> I saw Radiohead in concert. Jason and I we saw him in concert at the uh, Smoothie King Center. Yeah. Uh, yeah, my husband and I saw them in 2003 at NOLA's, I guess, auditorium or something like that. I can't remember where, but yeah, yeah. Uh, great band to see live. If you, if anyone wants to see a great band live, they are excellent live. So incredible, but don't expect them to play your favorite songs because they don't do that. Yeah. They're like, yeah. they play new stuff. What they want to play. They, they, yes, yeah. They yeah. This is true. This play. is true. So it was very cool, though. On the topic of New Orleans, I know that karaoke song that really kicked off your fascination with crypto, you kind of transitioned to it completely. So tell me a little bit about what you're doing today in in crypto. So today I'm actually working with a few companies and also a group of friends. We're all Louisiana crypto. One of us is from HOMA. One is from Lafayette and the other, me from New Orleans. And we have started the Emerging Tech Workshop where we talk to locals or, I mean, we invite everyone. We have that at New Society and uh, we invite them. It's a free workshop and we talk about AI, blockchain, crypto, and how business owners in this area are uniquely poised to use the technology to elevate their businesses. Because for all intents and purposes, it's cheap to live here, right? Right. And, and but New Orleans has never been anywhere that you would consider a tech anything, right? Now, though, we with this with the emergence of all of these new technologies, we can use that. We have the power to accelerate and be more of a tech city. And we're finding a huge interest from com- we're finding huge interest from companies and people here in that. So, Great. Shocking, huh? I love that. Are you finding it specifically in New Orleans? Or are you finding it in Baton Rouge and other places? Just a mix? Well, we had the Cajun Navy at our last. Oh, yes. Love them. Uh, so they brought a bunch of people in. And we also had bankers. We had, I mean, just commercial people in the commercial and residential real estate market. So kind of a vast array of different things. And some people that wouldn't want me to say where they work. So I'm just, I'm not going to. Completely understandable. I yes. get it. Uh, yes. are, are you finding that they're more, they're just trying to figure out, like, I hear people talking about the tech and I just need to learn it in a safe space or, or are they wanting to kind of workshop ideas, just a mix of things? So for the lawyers that attend, they are coming because they have had someone ask them about it. 
And then it's that maybe they also got a client, have a client that's in the crypto space. And now they're like, okay, so I, I have to learn about this because it, this is the most difficult thing I've ever done was help this internet company with IP. It's not an internet company. It's a blockchain business, right? So it's like open, right. open public blockchains they're building on top of. And I had to help them with IP and things like that. And it, it was just a rabbit hole that uh, it took me hours, weeks of reading, just to even understand what they were talking about. And on the other side, we have accounting pros. Accounting pros, they come for the same reason. These professions specifically, they, they don't want to say no, right? They certainly right. don't want to tell you no. And so they're learning it so they don't lose clients over it, right. which I thought was really different from what it was def different from what I expected. The creatives that come, they're coming to learn how to make money with the technology. But some other professionals, like I said, they just don't want to lose clients. Well, and I think it's really smart because crypto is going to affect a lot of, in essence, very day-to-day -day areas of law, like trust in estates, bankruptcy, tax, family law, or oh, yeah. any sort of sort of professional area in that space. And so if you have a family law attorney in a small solo practitioner office in a small town, I'm from a small town. I worked for a solo practitioner before I went to law school, having a client roll in and talk about their wallets, their crypto assets. I mean, I could see it being very outside of the sphere of what they're used to. So I think it's great that you all are offering that, that opportunity to learn that for your local community. And you know what the best part about it is out of that, we're, we're having people come to us to help them like start planning a strategy. Maybe they, they're not looking to implement it maybe today, but they want to build a strategy and then start testing things, small things so that their business can grow from that. And I loved that part of it. Yeah, I think it's great. Now, are you getting much interest? Of course, New Orleans is a great hub for musicians and artists. And those are people that are right at the center, especially of kind of the generative AI discussion and things. Do you find much interest in, in that area of that local community? So after our work, after our last workshop, the survey was in every, every person who filled out the survey said they want, they need to learn more about AI. And then it just went down from, you know, trickled down from there. Like, um, you know, the nonprofits want to accept Bitcoin. They want to know how to accept Bitcoin. The others are not looking to do anything yet, but they just want, need to learn, 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 learn. So um, it was a, yeah, it was across the spectrum. Well, I think that's wonderful. And I want to hear you talk a little bit more about the, is it new NFT spelled, of course, the Cajun way. Can you tell us a little bit about that? New Society. So, um, New Society. Yes. Thank yes. you. N-I-E-U-X. <laughs> um, Gotta love it. <laughs> so group of uh, entrepreneurs, successful founders, and really technologically forward people in the New Orleans area, they got together and they had this idea to bring Web3 to the, to locals. And, and that's really the, the basis of New Society. We talk about Web3, like it's global. You can transact anywhere in the world. You can have owners of your coins anywhere in the world, people to market to. But Tim Williamson, uh, he's one of the founders. And the way that he described it is until we bring Web3 local, then how can it grow? How can we have mass adoption when, when you go somewhere, to anywhere, and you talk to someone and no one knows anything about it? 
So that was his idea. And together with some of some amazing entrepreneurs in New Orleans, we built New Society. They, they purchased, we purchased the building. We sold 504 founder NFTs, right? Which is the original mint. 504 is our area code for those who don't know. Um, right. And from there, um, look, this has been about almost a little over a year now. Yes. And we brought people from all, uh, like, I, I would have never, never in my life guessed that we would, have sold, we would have sold 504 founder NFTs in New Orleans, in the New Orleans area. Never in my life would I believe that, but they did it. They did it. And it's so cool. You go in there and the, the whole theme for a new society is what if it works? Right. Um, I think that's great. It's awesome. I'm and really holding when you when you told me about it, I'm holding out. You guys need to start a Mardi Gras crew. I, I really want you all to do that. I think that would be amazing. So the one of the perks of New Society is it's right on the parade route. It's at 2040 St. Charles. That's where our home base is. And it used to, wow, it's, it used to be the Eiffel Society building. So you might, as a piece of the Eiffel Tower, it's been there since whatever the, the World's Fair in 84, I suppose, is when that came down here. That building was the Red Room. It was been restaurants and dance dance halls and things like that. And they bought that building and they started hosting workshops. So one of the coolest, like one of the early workshops that uh, I remember was Demario Davis. He's a New Orleans saint. It's on, the, it's on the saints. He, together with just a genius marketer, my friend Farah Appleman, they they did a, a young, a youth entrepreneur, or youth, yeah, youth something, youth empowerment, sorry, uh, a youth empowerment program. And like by the end of the program, all of these teenagers, they created their own NFTs. They had an auction and everything else. So they, I mean, we already know teenagers are smarter than us with tech, right? Right. I mean, <laughs> if I need to do something on my phone that I can't figure out, I'm finding the nearest teenager because they right. know how to do it right. all. And, um, and, but like they, they were so excited about this. It was just, just so awesome. Even the the fact that they sold their NFTs and all of that in no time. That's for me. Entrepreneurship is the is the promise of this technology. For now, everybody wants to find the what's the what's the app, right? The app that's going to take this to the next level. The Facebook or the Twitter or something like that for crypto. And right now, it's just entrepreneurship. I can start a business and start accepting payment for my, you know, as a gig economy immediately. I don't need to go to the bank and, you know, them just look at you like you, they don't know if you belong in their group or what have you. That's what happens when you try to start a business when you're young and you have to go and you have to get a bank account. You need a way to receive money. You don't have that anymore. And that, that can be a really horrifying experience for some people because most young people, they don't realize that you need credit. Now you have right. to have good credit to get a bank account. And if you're young, like how, how are you supposed to establish that stuff with this industry? The magic for me is anyone can start their own side hustle, their own business without having to go through some of that really challenging stuff that you have to deal with when you go to open a business bank account. Let's talk about challenging things. One of them is just getting into and understanding crypto stuff. Again, we're both Gen Xers, and I know I found the learning curve to be very steep. And I, having talked to you before recording this, I know that you know neither one of us are coders. We have engaged in working with technology, but we're not people who understand core infrastructure or, again, can code. What did you find the most challenging thing about learning 
just how to use this technology? So I was lucky because I had Jason, right? And for me, like every time I wanted to make a purchase or send crypto or receive crypto or anything like that, he I made him sit next to me <laughs> to go through the entire thing with me and make sure that I was doing it right. But I don't think it's really any harder than learning the internet in the 90s. We just don't remember because the internet is so yeah. easy to use today, right? I was probably 03 or 02 before I ever put my card online, right? I was I not, can't even right? I didn't do eBay or anything like that. I was petrified of it. It's really not harder than that was, but who remembers that except us, right? Gen Xers. Right. We're the only ones. <laughs> Remember telling your sister to get off the phone so you could get online because it was all through your phone. So yeah, the good old days. Right. Or your mom picking up the phone and not knowing and she gets that noise and starts hollering from across the Well, you already cut it off. So it's already gone. Now I'm off the phone now. (laughs) Yeah, we do. We, We adapt. And things get easier. I mean, so we don't have to dial up anymore. You don't have to take so long to download. So we could see comparable areas of efficiency starting to happen. I think in wallet integration and things like that, it is getting easier. So easier. So um, I used to have, I, I, we used when, like I said, when Jason would sit next to me that I would do something, I wanted to send crypto to someone. If if I, I was afraid to copy and paste there address, the wallet address, because I had already heard of different things that could be done. It's a copy and paste bug where you copy something and then when you paste it, it it changes the numbers. So you send it to the wrong place. So, you know, I was scared of all of this stuff, right? And um, and so I would read the number, the address backwards. So I made sure I didn't miss any, any digits. <laughs> and, and every single time I wanted to spend it. So it's, it's come a long way from there. Now, wallets like MetaMask, even exchanges like Coinbase will tell you that this is a valid address or not. Right. Um, so that is that is a pretty long way because in the beginning, you didn't know. I mean, if it was not perfect, it was not going to where you were sending it. It was kind of like email before spam filters. <laughs> or before there were search engines, you just have to know the URL. So the um, yeah, you yeah. had to know the URL. That was the only way that you could find someone or find a business. It was much later when Netscape and things like that came out that that it made it easier to surf the internet, but I didn't even know what I was looking for. for <laughs> I had to go on mute. I got so emotional when you said Netscape. Oh my gosh, it <laughs> took me back. <laughs> yes, I mean, wow. that's like way before Google. You mentioned the, the copy-paste scam, <clears throat> and excuse me, Crypto does get a rap for being scammy, and I, I'm a, I've said it before, but I think scammers are going to scam wherever. They're going to use the technology in new ways, but there is yeah. scamming activity out there. And I think the way scams happen in crypto, in some ways, is, is very similar to more traditional financial institutions, and in some ways, it's a little bit different than what we've seen. And one, we talked about this, a book called, I had read, it's called The Missing Crypto Queen. And it's about this huge scam that happened with an MLM 
type yep. structure wrapped around a, a coin and a, yes. and a blockchain that in essence didn't exist. But you you were in crypto when all of that was happening, right? Yes, I absolutely was. Um, <clears throat> 2017, 2016 and 2017 were, there were a ton of scams then. And it's mostly because, okay, so in 2017, what as the price of Bitcoin rose, people, consumers were just jumping in. They wanted to do it now. Then they figured out, like you mentioned earlier, it's not so easy to just jump in and do it now. As a matter of right. fact, you know, the exchange, a lot of the exchanges couldn't handle the, the number of people and they would, you know, just black out, shut down and, or they would come up and say up for maintenance. <laughs> so when... That was around, that was the IC, around the ICO craze. So initial coin offering. And a lot of people made a lot of money from the coins that were coins that were built on top of Ethereum. But then you had the ones who you just would get, I mean, emails like every emails or messages on Twitter and places like that, guaranteed returns. Uh, Bitcoin is too expensive. Don't buy Bitcoin. It's too expensive now, but we can give you guaranteed returns. And they would wrap uh, a coin project in something more traditional that seemed normal to us. And then they would, of course, change their picture. And if if you're a woman and they were trying to scam you, they would have a military guy with an American flag behind them. And <clears throat> if you're a guy, it was a scantily clad female. <laughs> um, there were so many of them and this one in particular, there were a couple of big ones. So one coin was among the biggest BitConnect was another, there was UTI tech. This guy, I don't know if you've seen the Carlos Matos, but if you've never seen Carlos Matos, go ahead and Google that <laughs> <laughs> um, after our podcast, you'll get a kick out of it. Um, there are, there are a, a gazillion memes and all it, it was just convincing people to buy, you could put in, you could buy with your credit card then, which is a huge red flag anyway, right? Mm -hmm. If you're, <laughs> it's a huge red flag. You could buy with your credit card. You could, they guaranteed returns. Uh, oh, this person, there's a whole laundry list of people who have made this much, you know, a hundred X or a thousand X or what have you. And then as long as you kept bringing people in, so they would, you would, once you signed up and you put in your money, it was this classic MLM. Not all, not all MLMs are bad, but right. when it, when all the MLM is based on is getting money, there's no product, right? Except for a coin, supposedly, you never got the coin. There's no actual coin. Um, right. It didn't exist. That was the thing. Exist. It was the, the Bitcoin there, not Bitcoin, excuse me, their blockchain, Bitcoin. the one coin was a private blockchain yeah. that no one ever saw, but it similar to Bitcoin, it had <laughs> a, a specific amount of coins that they were ever going to disperse. And, and then they were selling so much. They were like, well, you know what? we found there's more, you know, we have more that we are going to be able to do. So they could just keep getting money. It, I'll tell you, for someone who's maybe new to Bitcoin or cryptocurrencies, and if you like watching shows like American Greed or White Collar Crime, like this was absolutely fascinating because the woman who founded it, she was incredibly smart. She worked in very traditional uh, financial areas and 
she saw an opening and then teamed up with people who had worked a lot in MLMs and realized like the power of those two things together. She made a lot of money and she's missing now to this day. They don't know where she is. It's a fascinating read, but. She, she never has to resurface again either because no. she, she can take all of the fiat currency or dollars uh, and then just keep migrating it over to crypto. And then right. gone. The same thing with Quadriga CX. That's another one that you might want to watch. They were in exchange, and supposedly the the founder died, and he's the only one. Oh, with the, I saw. There's a documentary about him, right? The yeah, the yeah. Crypto King or something like that, or he and his uh, yeah, that's on Netflix, I think. Yep, and I remember when all of that was going on too, and at the same time, John McAfee had died, and other people that were big in the crypto space. And um, I, I don't know what to believe. I still don't know what to believe. I still don't yeah, know. Yeah, that, that documentary yeah. is pretty, pretty interesting. But I think, you know, the lesson to learn and, and I said, it's fascinating. The book was fascinating. And it is, but I think it's very important to also say that there were some people who put all of their life savings into uh -huh. these things. And they lost, because again, the downside is they were trusting family members who trusted a friend or a family member. And just like that trickle down effect is really devastating. You of course see scams like that happen in, in traditional finance, but I think that brings me to another topic. A, a common phrase we hear is do your own research, D-Y-O-R. I know sometimes you try to get, you give people pointers on things you can do to make sure you're doing your own research. What would you say to someone new and interested in crypto? What should they do to do their own research? Okay. So first of all, anyone who reaches out to you in the crypto space and, and they share like links and things like that, don't ever click on that, right? Look at what it, look at what it says. And then if anything, Google it, if you want to if you want to learn more about whatever this project is. So someone sends me a, whatever, a link with Mt. Gox or <laughs> that's one of the oldest, um, Terra Luna or something like that. I would go to Google and I would search for Terra Luna. And that way things pop up that I want to see. Whereas if you click on that link, you never know what's behind it. So that's the first thing that I would, no matter what, if you see something, even on Facebook posts and things like that, if you want to learn more about it, Go and Google it yourself. Don't click links. Also, don't use your Facebook email address or your Twitter login email for crypto accounts. For your crypto stuff, don't so, do that. Uh, so would you just even say, just create a brand new email address for, for oh, that's, that's good advice. Yes. And go to protonmail.com. It's free encrypted email. Go to Proton Mail. You can set up a free email address, and it's encrypted. And you can, I mean, if you they have paid services too, or, um, but it is it is safe, it's safer to use an email address that you don't have all over the world, right? If you signed up for CVS points and Walgreens points with that email, that's not something that you want to use for crypto because there's too much information about you there. Where Proton Mail will protect, protect you, the information that needs to be protected. And I think that's good advice even for your bank account, your online bank account. I've heard people say that before too. Don't use a, an email you usually use to log in. Use it. Just have a dedicated email just for your banking account for that exact same reason. 
That's it. I mean, that's the, that's the best first step. Also passwords. People don't, we, we have trouble with passwords. My, our generation yeah. specifically, right? Our generation, we are, oh, I just, you know, put the same password. I use the same password for everything. Um, right. A guy wanted me to teach, actually met with us at a coffee shop and he wanted to learn crypto. He's like, oh yeah, I use the same pin number for all, for everything. It's like, And it's my dog's name. No, <laughs> don't do it. If there are young people or young men listening, um, don't, don't watch porn on the computer that your crypto is on. Just don't do that. Interest, interesting. Okay. Right? I mean, these things, they, they, your, your computer's more susceptible. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and so people use things like air gap computers, right? Compute. Um, I, I do. I have a, the, my Mat, I have a MetaMask wallet and I have it on a laptop that I don't use very often. And I really am very limited on, when I get on it and what I do with it, you know, just for for that reason. And the problem with clicking on the link, that first item you were talking about is, it's not just a ransomware situation. It it Some of those links, if you have your wallet on that device that you click yes. the link on, it can access your wallet and drain your wallet. So drain all of your assets and steal all of your assets. So that's really why clicking on links, it has a much higher, a much more expensive impact than if you get a virus on your laptop. Yes. And another thing um, that a lot of people don't know, it's really easy to create multiple accounts in MetaMask. And so if you have, if you, so this might, one of your accounts may be an account that you buy NFTs every now and then, and it would be new that you, you know, new projects, not, not something that you buy Ethereum with all the time. Right. But it's some stuff that something that you invest on new projects, projects. So only have enough Ethereum in that account to do what you want to do at that time, because it's very easy and uh, to send, to send funds from account to account. Let's say you have 20 Ethereum in a wallet. Don't, don't use that wallet to buy all your new, use something else right. so that you, you know, it, because your zero X address for Ethereum, I can go to Etherscan and I can see everything that's in it. Right. So, um, that's the one, the address that has my ENS name. It never has more than, I, I don't even think it has a whole Ethereum in it right now. It's an account that I have and I use that to buy NFTs and things like that, but I, I only keep a minimum amount of of the asset in those wallets. Yeah. And um, that's, that's really good advice. And whenever I had a buddy kind of walk me through how to set up my wallet and they said, buy your cryptocurrency. And when you get ready or you're able to transfer it to a wallet, cause you can't do it right away as a new crypto person. You, she said, just send a little bit, send yes. $5 worth or something like that, just yes. to make sure you have the mechanics of transferring it. So you don't want to send all of it at once and then maybe you sent it to the wrong address. That's a test transaction. Yes. Um, it's recommended, yeah. especially for anything, any new wallet. Also, if you receive a, a hardware device and you set it up, you write down your private key. Then once you get all of that done, you get to complete that, wipe the wallet clean. The only thing you have to do to do that is put the wrong password in three times and it'll wipe it. Right. Hmm. Then reset up your hardware wallet with the seed phrase and make sure that seed phrase actually works to bring your wallet back. And so, a seed phrase is kind of like a password, but it's a 16 word password, correct? 16, 12 or 16 separate words that 
or 12 to you're going to correct me. 24. <laughs> 12 to 24 words. Yes. Depending on what. Uh, and it what has to be. And it has to be in a certain order. That's a very important thing to keep very secure and not lose track of. It is. And you, you know, you don't, you don't need the seed phrase. Once the wallet has given it to you, the wallet has it. So that seed phrase is your digital signature. So what that seed phrase does is it signs transactions and proves that you have control of that wallet. And so for once you have the seed phrase and you've written it down, then it's time to find a safe place for it. There are multiple ways people do that. I know people who have theirs on USB drives and they'll make multiple copies and put them in different places. You can write down multiple copies and put them in different places. So if you write them down on paper, then know that that is susceptible to fire and water. So, I mean, fire, waterproof safe, they have them. People right. in New Orleans all have them, right? Because we live in Hurricane Alley. Right. So um, different things like that. Like uh, I know people who have a copy of their seed words at their parents and another copy in a safe place. I've heard of people engraving it on something metal and then having it saved in a, a bank security uh, that's what I was gonna deposit say. People or what use a safe deposit box yeah, at the bank yeah. and they'll have a copy there. And so those are the kind of things that you can do to just protect yourself. When the prices of crypto start going up, people want to, they, they need to do it now. They need to do it now. And right. this is a new technology. It's not, it, it, and it, it demands respect because if, you, if we don't do it correctly, then it's just gone forever. There's no. Yeah. You're not getting it back. If you want to revisit what you were saying about, you won't have access to your funds right away on Coinbase. So let's say you bank wire or use a credit card, debit card, or connect your bank account or any of those things, and you move money onto Coinbase. The thing about banks is banks are quick to reimburse you and charge back the company that received the, the funds. That absolutely cannot be done with crypto. If Coinbase receives your funds and gives you access to them right away, you buy crypto, you take it off of Coinbase, you have it, no one can take it from you. And then you... Uh, place a, a fraud claim with your bank and your bank is going to take the money from them. So when you do plan on start joining any exchange, they, it takes time. It mm -hmm. takes a lot of time. And, and that, that isn't, that's just because of the nature of crypto is so different from the traditional financial system and Coinbase has to cover their own. Right. Know? Yeah. I know the first time I bought crypto, I did not realize that when you buy it, you, A, you may have to wait a little bit before you can actually buy anything. And then once you buy it, I think I bought it off of Coinbase and I wanted to transfer it to my MetaMask wallet to buy an NFT. I had to wait seven to 14 days and I was not prepared for that. And it really is counter to what I it's such a FOMO yeah. experience, especially NFTs are very much, you get on the wait list now, buy it now, blah, blah, blah. It's only available. That kind of, and so like that tension and that experience, I found it very frustrating. And I was like, why didn't anyone warn me about this? But <laughs> it for people new to it, that that's a reality you have to be prepared for. You're not going to spin up and, and buy crypto and, and get up a wallet and buy something that same day. It's just not going to happen. 
No, I mean, if you were doing that, you'd have to buy crypto from someone with cash. Cash is really the only thing close to crypto that we have in the traditional world. If I give you cash, you can't take it back from me. Not without forcibly doing so. And I talk to businesses about that a lot too. You have to consider it a cash instrument because it's a, ba- it's a bearer asset, just like cash. And if you think of it that way, right, you're paying with, a, um, with banks for a bearer asset. They, they need, Coinbase absolutely needs to be sure that that money came from you and your bank's not going to claw it back from them before they can give you access. And it takes them, it takes some time. I mean, look, my first limit was 500 $500, I think. Mm-hmm. I don't have limits now, but as you spend more time with them, Coinbase as a company, then those things get um, get more lax for you. Well, thank you for explaining that because I never really understood why. I knew it probably had to be some obvious like reason and I just didn't know why, but you really explained that for me. So I appreciate awesome. that, Raina. So we are full of these crazy questions and these small, these <laughs> large and small questions. We don't, you know, we don't know, but we, the, the key is you were still early. Only 1 million addresses hold a whole Bitcoin. That's out of eight, almost 8 billion people on the planet. The time to start learning is now. You don't have to buy in or ape in really quick. In this next run up of the cycle, if you want to buy crypto, get started early. Open your accounts early. Get, get to know, touch the, the technology. Coinbase makes it really easy to do. And mm-hmm. then once you get the hang of it there, then you can move it to your own custody. And that's kind of the progression that I that I go through with people. Start with Coinbase because they do, they have a lot of things to protect you now. It's way easier than when I got on there too. And then as time goes on, learn about the technology and then you can play with it. But there's a lot of cool things that you can do. I would love, Raina, to just to hear a closing comment, other advice that you would like to give the audience about people may be new to crypto. Don't be afraid. This is an amazing time when we have so, so much available to us. And don't be afraid of that. Bitcoin was my entry into emerging technology. I've sent NFTs, I've used the metaverse, and I've um, uh, used AI for to do all kinds of things. I am not afraid of technology anymore because I took the leap of faith to learn Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. It opens up an entire new world for you and it can really add to your financial freedom. And I think that that's one of the things that I try to, that I try to pass on. It's not too hard. It's just hard. And if I can do it, you can do it. I love that, Raina. I think that's wonderful. I think encouraging people to learn technology and be curious like that, that just makes us better. I think that's a wonderful message. I hope my audience appreciates it as much as I do. Raina, thank you so much for being a guest. I've really enjoyed it. And I may have to crash one of your parties down in the 504 the next time I'm down in New Orleans, my old stomping ground. So if you hear me knocking at the door, uh, (laughs) be nice and let someone in, even if I don't have a token. (laughs) Absolutely. Our next workshop's on July 20th. So I don't know how soon you're talking about, but we're going to do them Mm. every month now. So I'm super excited. I'll have to come down. So at some point for sure. But again, thank you so much, Raina, for joining us. Um, And to the audience, I hope you enjoyed this episode and hope you plan on joining us for our next episode of Cassie and. I love the name, by the way.